Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Will Curran from Endless Events in the house, and that gentleman on the recording, both together in the house, ready to roll, is the hellish Brant Kruger. Yeah, we forgot to warn these guys about the adjective generator because oh, that yeah, guy that's... over there from Endless Events is the draconian Will Kern. Ooh, I feel like those are like almost theming together in some ways. Yeah, that, that works pretty well. Works pretty well. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, for, for uh, the, these guys obviously don't know who's, who's going to be joining us, but we, we, got, we have an amazing set of guests today. And uh, uh, this is one of those shows where Branch just said, it's awesome. We have to get them on the show <laughs> and we can talk about anything. And I think that's what we're preparing ourselves for today. Brant, do you want to explain a little bit what's going down today? Yeah, today we're being joined by Anthony Hickson and Stephen Van Elst from uh, Imagination uh, at imagination.com, which by the way, amazing Greatest URL. name. You guys Greatest name ever. Get that is, is, is also pretty incredible. Uh, Anthony is the director of Imagination Studio. Stephen is the global creative innovation director for Imagination. And we wanted to get these guys on to talk about immersive events and, and using technology really and, and storytelling uh, behind, to get, you know, kind of uh, as part of the immersive events experience, right? You know, a lot of times it's been kind of a buzzword over the course of the last year, experiential, that kind of thing. But uh, when I first uh, started talking to these guys, it was a while ago now and to the point where I had to go back and kind of look at my notes. I was like, okay, now what are we going to talk about? And I went back and on my notes, I wrote down epic shit globally. Like they do epic <laughs> shit globally. And so I was like, if that, if, if that isn't anything, uh, uh, you know, kind of a mindset of where, what we're going to be talking about today, I don't know what is. So really excited to have you guys on. Uh, Anthony, why don't you tell folks a little bit about what you do there at Imagination? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, um, I lead the, um, the Imagination Studio, which is basically our digital content and creative technology team. So I'm actually based out of LA. Our team that I work with is based in Detroit and, and Stephen, who you'll talk to in a minute, is based just outside Melbourne. So we're really sort of embracing this global network studio, but we're, you know, what we're focused on doing is creating immersive experiences and how we use, how we use digital technology and content in physical spaces to kind of engage audiences in new and uh, innovative ways. Very cool. Very good. And Stephen, what do you, uh, what do you do as the global creative innovation director? And uh, good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah, no, that yeah. comes with a fairly hefty price tag. That title, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you get paid paid by the letter there. <laughs> I, I wish. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a it's a pretty exciting task. It really is you know, looking at the creative uh, role of innovation in in all of our projects. And and given that um, as our projects all about the live experience, it's about how we inject innovation into that technology, new technologies, and um, and get the most out of the storytelling through these new immersive um, um, pieces of uh, interface that, uh, which are, you know, everyone's really excited about. And then the uh, the company itself, I don't know which one of you guys wants to tackle kind of a, uh, a better descriptor than, than what I gave as far as far as what, what you guys do. Um, but I, I also want to make sure, because I've been looking at my notes again, which sometimes can be a little scribbly. Um, uh, you guys are not new at this. Like this company has been around for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I mean, imagination's been around now, getting into fifty years. Uh, it's it's got a long heritage. It actually started um, uh, in in London um, with a heritage in West End and lighting and and show production. And so, 
um, there was a natural progression from that the theatre of storytelling in kind of like the the highest possible sense and being moved over to being uh, um, um, mobilised for, for for brands and, and communication. And so it's been around for a long time. It's got a strong storytelling heritage, uh, and uh, you know it's it's definitely cut its teeth on on, on loads of clients worldwide. We've got I think 13 offices now, so um, it's it really has some global reach, and, uh, and and we really sort of engage our clients in that sort of belief that um, experience sort of changes the way people behave. Um, around how they purchase, how they consider products, and uh, how they make decisions in terms of brands they want to be associated to. And we try to live up to our name as well. That's sort of, you know, it, it helps having a tag like that where we're sort of, uh, imagination is our differentiator and it's it's really the reputation we've got to uphold. So, you know, we're constantly pushing ourselves. How, how, do, we, how do we bring innovation? How do we bring imagination into our clients' work? Uh, you guys are uh, for sure uh, upholding the name because, uh, as I said, I didn't know much about what we were going to be talking about. And I went to your website just now. And can we talk about everything? Basically, this is just so <laughs> the projects you guys are working This you yeah, guys, just like, everything <laughs> like I, I mean, we can talk about like so many different projects you guys have gotten a chance to work on. But you might be thinking to yourself, you're listening to podcasts like what do these guys have to do with event technology? You go to their site and they're, these guys are pushing the limits of what is capable. I mean, like talk about AR, VR, that's in it, projection mapping. Like I see something where you guys built like like this flame. I, there's so much crazy stuff happening on here. And they're, oh my gosh, I have like a million questions. So maybe starting off with, um, I want to hear from you guys, maybe your each of your favorite projects that you have worked on and maybe how you use technology to start storytelling. Yeah, I think that um, uh, it's really hard to put down a, a favorite a favorite project. What I do like is what we're achieving with those things. Um, uh, we did uh, just just last year we did the um, a VR experience for for Ford Explorer, and uh, and really what's you know it's not just another VR project. So we're one of the big things from an innovation point of view we like to do is take uh, technologies. And we like to sort of MacGyver them together with other things so they become a completely unique experience. So we don't really kind of look at look at the idea of um, the experience we create is like, it's going to be a VR experience. It has to be different thresholds of experience where VR is a part of that, a, a part of that storytelling. So um, the other thing which, you know, we've you know, been really inspired by things like the void and, um, and seeing how we can, um, use that storytelling method to to sort of um uh, create these amazing narratives with with our brands and so with with ford, ford explorer um we use vr as the central sort of storytelling method for in terms of display but we put people inside a real car and then we use the dynamics and um and uh and, and biometrics of the vehicle to then real time go back into the experience and so the car driving around in this sort of um a shorter course with all these obstacles that you know it's effectively a black box, but the the experience isn't just like sitting in a chair looking at the VR 360 world. You are literally traveling around that's in sync with the um, with the actual vehicle. Um, and so that you the touch and tactile nature of what you're doing is really visceral, but it, you're inside this amazing world that we can transport you through and, and tell all these sort of great stories around the vehicle. 
Um, it's it really for us. We we don't like to just take a piece of technology and just redeploy it like everyone else can. We want to mm -hmm. we want to sort of hack it together and mesh it with other things to create something that's you know really unique and, and really sort of sticky and and from a from you know people want to go and do it again and um, that's sort of our mantra. And I think I like the important thing with that particular project and everything we do, it, it comes, it originates from the creative and what's the story we're trying to tell. And, you know, this particular project was, we were, un, we were revealing the new 2020 Explorer. And, you know, one of the, one of the things you try to do with, with automotive in particular is to get people inside the cars. And, and we had the challenge of not actually having cars available. So we're trying to tell this story of a new vehicle, um, but not having the, the you know the physical vehicle available and in parallel we're trying to tell the story of what the what the explorer stands for and and the explorer as a lifestyle enabler and it can get you out to explore the you know the great country that we live in so that was that was also part of the you know the originating storytelling premise so what we did is actually leverage the 2019 explorer but through vr you will not only sit in the vehicle and experience the vehicle driving and you're you know you're you're seeing the interior of the new 2020 Explorer. So it was a way to introduce that product to, to, um, to bring to life some of the features that weren't readily available. And then when you're looking beyond the interior to the um, outside the windows, that's when we, we started to show uh, America and, 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 and the, the, um, you know, the great landscapes of this country. So you'd be going up a physical, uh, a physical track and you're ascending into the Rocky Mountains and you'd be coming down and into the desert. And then we start to layer in some of these other elements um, more 4d related so what one scene in particular you're going through the snow so we'd put up the air conditioning to kind of add that sense of chill and then conversely you go through the desert and the heating goes up so it's all those elements combined um that particular one as well we're aware of the the social nature of of the project and so within the um the VR experience, you could see your counterparts in the vehicle as well. Uh, a lot of the audio was actually delivered through the vehicle's um, in-car sound system. So unlike other VR experiences where you've got a headset on, this was really a communal effort. So, you know, you're, 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 you're with, you're with friends and colleagues, you're driving on a physical track, but you're, you know, you're out there experiencing the world. That's awesome. I think you guys solved a really interesting problem, which was you didn't have the car and how are you going to sell the car <laughs> without having the car? And I think that's just such a, uh, is it, is it weird to use imaginative? Are we not allowed to use that as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a as a pun throughout this entire podcast, but I think it's an imaginative way to fit, to figure that out. And I think you guys also figured out that uh, one thing I learned as well from you guys saying that is that you, something that Brant and I preach all the time is not using technology just for technology. You weren't just like, hey, we're into VR because it's the newest, coolest thing. You're like, how can it solve the problem and enhance everything? Um, and I think uh, another great example of this, I'm not sure if you guys are going to get a chance to talk about this case study. I'm just like literally poking around. You guys cited all your case studies. But uh, another recent one you guys had is that you guys launched the Mach-E electric uh, uh, hybrid or uh, uh, crossover vehicle that just launched and obviously that car does not actually be manufactured yet and you guys needed a way to get hype up and get exper the customer experience for it and you guys built like it's like a roller coaster launcher essentially um, and I think it's so cool because you know you could have done the same thing right you could have done VR and then you could have you know made people feel like they were getting launched that way but instead you guys built like a tunnel it looks like um, yeah, on so here that you launched people through it's crazy I mean, that, that is the sort of the thing that's always challenging with, um, uh, with working with automotive brands and in particular, you know, when you're talking about some of these, these spaces where people come to interact, it's an unusual, it's an unusual problem to have that the, the product you're coming to use is not necessarily open and functioning in a way that, you know, people want to 
user, like, you know, it's not like an, uh, uh, an Apple shop where you can go and just play with the, with the phone openly. The, the cars are static. And so you need to find really cool ways of either dramatizing or simulating what it feels like to, to get it behind that wheel. And so um, obviously uh, with electric vehicle, um, still a lot of people haven't ex experienced it. And, and we've got a unique um, product in the, in the Mustang Mach-E. And so to give people that experience, we, you, you, again, you have to simulate what it is at zero to uh, zero to 60 moment. And uh, again, we, it's really about the story and the visceral experience that we want people to, to have um, is driving the technologies we use. So it's definitely, you know, we're not a tech company. We are storytelling, story infused, technology infused storytelling. Um, we, we, we use technology to tell those stories and, um, and to give people the most memorable impression of, of that moment. We, we know that the way people experience a story for the first time is, is so important and, and has massive impact on their connection to brands. I'm, I'm, I'm blind, mind blown up, uh, but I think Anthony, you didn't get a chance to tell us about your I was just thinking the same project. thing. My, well, that's uh, we actually did one last year, which was um, completely different to automotive. It was, it was more about launching a nation. So we, um, we worked with the Saudi Arabian, um, tourism ministry. And in this case, there was a program that they were unveiling about um, a new visa program to encourage tourism as part of their, um, the 2030 vision over there to, to sort of diversify their country. And so we were tasked with how do we, how do we bring this to life uh, in an event and sort of launch this program. And it was a, it was a full sort of immersive experience we designed that um, had a bunch of different technologies and it sort of it culminated in a, in a four course meal, which was uh, each of the, um, each of the courses was based on a particular region, but from a from a technology and a storytelling point storytelling point of view, we constructed a dining room that was surrounded by LED screens. So it was twenty two and a half thousand pixels wide, four four sides um, dining room, and so throughout the night we'd have content that reflected the meal the, the regions and the meals that were people were eating. So we're sort of getting this reinforcement of of motif and thematics, and the whole show culminated in um what was more like a 15 minute theatrical stage show. So we used content mapping to basically reconstruct and create a bunch of environments around Saudi Arabia. And one of the things that was interesting in, in the production process for us was, was discovering the diversity of, of the, of the terrain and, and um, the locations in the country. So we actually went out there and had to film a bunch of, um, of content um, in 360. So that was the first time that had been done uh, in Saudi. There's a few, few challenges with that process, but the, to be able to capture that content and then bring it back into this environment that was really about putting the, um, the audience in the heart of the experience. So getting them to see uh, a lot of these sights and sounds, and then again, layering in those 4D elements. So the theatrical show we did had a bunch of live performers who would you know, walk in and amongst the crowd. We had multiple stages in, in the space. So the idea was to kind of, you know, really build out from the audience as our centerpiece and, and give them an experience that they could look around in any direction. And, and what I like about those, those sort of projects is they're not headset based. It's, it's, you know, we're embracing the group communal nature of that experience and, and the, the social interactions that people have as they're experiencing this. But um, so it was it was a great way to tell this story in a, in a very visceral visceral way and to to bring the country to life and that was a it, it was a fun project. I think the key the key point there was that it's it's it was still like VR but no headsets because the whole your complete peripheral was completely wrapped around you 
and um, and and often that is these are solutions we have to we have to look at. And VR is definitely not going to be the solution for for actually for most things, to be honest, because we're doing sort of one to one to many experiences. You know, it's it's it's, it's still more engaging to, be able to see people face to face, and that the technology of sort of putting the audience in the middle and and making the stage around them as opposed to a stage and looking in was, was super important. We had flying dolphins at air, like air stage. Um, uh, uh, so when we went underwater, we went underwater in the scene, we had literally dolphins fly, flying around above your head, made you feel really like you're underwater. We had harnessed um, performers who were kind of swimming through the scene. So I literally felt like you were in the performance. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. I think one of the things that is uh, fascinating to me about you guys is that, you know, it'd be very easy to categorize imagination as a technology company. And, and a lot of what you're describing is technology, but to the point that Will alluded to earlier, that we're always a fan of using, using technology as necessary, uh, not just because it's shiny and new, but because it serves the purpose, because it serves the story. Um, you know, when you, when we look at, if someone was to go to imagination.com, you know, immersive technology is like a tiny, you know, one bullet point of what you guys do. Um, you know, a lot of it is about insight and research and platforms and analytics. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a much larger way of looking at the immersive experience, which is uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to kind of have you guys on is to expand a little bit. It's, it's easy to, you know, to a certain extent, get caught up in the creative, if that makes sense. Um, but to bring actually some some analytics to this to the stage, to bring some uh, research to the stage, to say, okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why we have the dolphins and the things like. Not mm. just because it's cool, but because of the way that it makes people feel, because of the way that it you know adds to the experience and tells the story. Can you guys expand a little bit on how you kind of use uh, those types of things to impact what it is that you bring to the table? Sure. Yeah. We, I mean, a lot of our work is underpinned by a, a proprietary system we've built uh, called XP Kit, which is basically that that sort of digital layer. And you know, the, there's a lot of metrics around um, events and experiences and the the effective the, the effectiveness in communicating brand messages and and you know the favorability um, that that consumers get out of um, brand experiences. But there's also you know continual need to to measure the return on on the investment or the return on the experience. And so, you know, our, our XP kit layer is basically a, a, a way of sort of tracking people's progression through a space, understanding who they are, what they're interested in, capturing their detail. Um, so, and that, that process begins before, often before we're actually at an event. So, you know, it, it begins at the registration process. So we're understanding who our audience is, understanding the, the, things they're interested in, the things that they participate in as part of the overall experience, and then sort of enabling that information for, for, for more tailored follow-up. So it's about not just thinking about, you know, the event in itself, whatever that may be, whether it's an auto show or a, or a launch event or a, a reveal or a press conference, it's what happens on either side of that and how do we extend, how do we make it begin sooner and how do we make it extend later? And, and clients really value value the fact that these systems are then also aligns and hooks into the client's CRM systems. You know, they, there's a, there's a, you know, for a lot of the, a lot of the clients, there are hand raises and, and, and seeing how they can match back, you know, how purchases, how we're influenced by the experiences we create. So um, there's sort of, you know, two metrics for us. We can see it visually when we see people's response to it. And that's a, that's a great thing about working in this space as opposed to working in kind of a linear media fashion where we don't, 
don't get to see the response if you're working in tradition other traditional channels we can see how people are responding but then to get backed up by by good data and then and then stuff that that the client can use and and connect and, and actually change and, and 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 increase the perception of how experiential can um you know work for brands is is really important for us um, so I could ask a gazillion questions because I think that people are constantly wanting to know, yeah, how does experiential and this technology stuff, how is it actually generating ROI? Do you guys think that the system that you've built and the ability to quickly get that information back into sales or other marketing systems is really what's allowing you guys to be able to justify a faster ROI too? That it's not just like, oh, hey, it's a long-term brand play. It's I'm giving you straight leads and data you can work with. Yeah, I, I think, and look, the, the difficult part to, to answer, that, uh, answer that question is that um, every type of story or, or, or experience we do is so different from, e from each other. So that's why our, our systems have to be fairly nimble in, in, in adapting to those those moments. We, we launched, um, uh, we talked about Maki, we, we, we launched that um, sort of late last year um, in Los Angeles. And, you know, we work very closely with other partners like, you know, um, at Twitter, we have a really great relationship and they really help us get the most out of those um, um, uh, events that we create. And a lot of the things we're doing now, these events are then um, are turning into broadcast moments. And so people tune in and, and watch them. And so, so they're having a more lasting effect than just the people who get to go and see them. Uh, and you know, Twitter's helping us amplify those moments. And, and that ultimately the clients you know, looks at the numbers and go, yeah, I think we had over was it a billion or close to a billion. Well, that particular project was just under two, just under two billion. Two, two billion. So, so you know, that's wow. that's what drives. And 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 then ultimately, when when all the all the pre-orders of the vehicles um, fill up uh, quickly, that's <laughs> that's the ultimate uh, um, reflection of the of a job well done. Obviously, so um, you know, our clients. Having said that, our clients are super involved in in helping us do that. It's, I would hate to think anyone thinks that this is just us out doing our own thing. Our, we have to have really great trusting clients to enable us to to achieve the results they want to achieve because they are absolutely collaborative in 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 the creative and also the strategy and how we move things forward. So I'm curious is is there any been has there been a moment that you guys can think of where the analytics. Uh, were in conflict or, you know, the data was in conflict with the, um, sorry, I just can't bring myself to do the plural data thing. I know it's technical data were in conflict with the, uh, with, with the mood in the room. So, right. You're seeing surprise, you're seeing delight, you're seeing all this amazing, uh, you know, in the room feedback of like emotion and stuff. But then mm. when you went back and looked at the data, it's like, Oh, Oh, we've, we kind of missed on that one for some reason or another. Um, I think that, because that's, I think sometimes when you get the data involved, because I think that happens a lot in our events, right? We're like, oh, everyone is happy. It was happy. It was great. It was wonderful. But then you missed on whatever your key metric was. Um, I, I, I can't remember like a, like a miss as such, but I think you, you look at, from a visual point of view, you can see people enjoying the experience. And then when you dive deeper into the data, you can, you, you might see that um, they're not touching or interacting with the things you want them to go deeper on or that how many levels deep they go into. And that that's really great for us because often we can respond in real time. Some sometimes depending on the, on the length of that experience that we can sort of make some changes really quickly to improve that, that experience uh, and make sure that we're getting the, the push route to the, you know, pushing the stuff up to the front where we want people to actually um, interact with. So obviously there's, there's so much you can see into the people can enjoy an experience, 
but if they're not diving deep enough, the, the data can tell us that pretty quickly. I don't don't have a specific example, but I, I we've dealt with that a few times where we have to shovel things around to, to, to make things more accessible or to um, or to make sure that they're seeing the things we want them to see uh, most importantly. And a slight tangent from there, not necessarily data related, but it, it, it goes to, it's a good reminder as well as the role of the human element in a lot of technology led experiences at events. I think, you know, people don't always immediately gravitate to you know, understanding how something works or there's, you know, some, some people have a natural tendency to, to not necessarily want to engage if there's a touch screen or, or some sort of, um, you know, technology interface you know so having having the human element there to sort of draw people into those experiences we found time and time again that adds so much um so much value to the experience that sort of you know it it becomes an icebreaker and it lets it lets people kind of lose their inhibitions a little bit so that's always i know not data related but it's it's a good it's a good reminder that you know what we create never lives in isolation and it's it's part of an ecosystem whether it's a physical physical space um, but also the people that are in that space yeah Oh, oh my gosh okay so I think that we talk a lot about um, analytics and collecting data and how I think important that is that we are coming to a conflict uh, between from as marketers to data and mix of privacy and security. Um, I think we probably don't have to dive quite into privacy as much right now, but one thing I was looking around, I don't know, it just got caught my eye. I was scrolling through your guys' site and at the bottom, I feel like this should be totally bigger on your site. It says accreditation. And I clicked on it and I don't know how much you guys are going to be able to talk to this. So feel free to be like, we should do a whole separate episode about this, but aren't you guys have some accreditations on your site? And one of them is, uh, where is it? ISO 27001 2013 information security management accreditation. And it's like, and you guys have an information security officer on staff and, I was just mind blown to see this because I don't think anyone's really saying like, look, like information. So the security to uh, is so important that we have a dedicated position to it. Can you guys talk to that and how you guys maybe put procedures in place to keeping that information secure? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I think that, um, that's probably a good job for that that officer to, <laughs> to come talk on that. Um, but we do, you know, I think it's it's inherently um, built into how we approach um, collection of data. Obviously, we're working with very, you know, and there's no there's no brand that this is too important for. But um, I know there's clients we've been working with for a long time, and and got. I, I, I work with Imagination back in the early 2000s, and then I've come back over the last couple of years to, to join again. But I even remember back then, um, ISO compliance was a, was a super important thing, get, sort of getting um, uh, getting speed. And it's just been, we've just been adding more accreditation to it because clients are really um, worried about these things. Um, and, you know, security is obviously a massive a massive issue, um, privacy, uh, and we don't want any breaches. So we have to have to adhere to strict strict um, compliance there. But we, you know, we we adhere to you know sustainability. We ha- uh, we have um, pro- we have even a process ISO process compliance so that we, we we sort of know how we're going to interface with our clients and then how we're going to interface with them. So um, we we definitely um, we definitely value those compliances, and um, and we have you know training and lots of you know all the time we're we're sort of a new thing pops up and we all have to do some training on it and and make sure we know it and test it on it and and uh you know 
that those sorts of things are super important for us and for our clients. Maybe something I can. Uh, ahead, I was gonna say maybe something I can follow up on too is, well, is there ever been a time where you guys had something that you're like, oh, this is kind of weird, but we did it for security's sake, and then God, we did, or any like tactical times where you guys maybe thought to yourselves like, what? oh wait, why are we doing this? Or you're like, oh, we do, but or something that you guys do do that you think that people more people need to be doing. Um, I'm just curious if you guys have any like specific mm. examples while you guys work as just and from like the design standpoint, building all this stuff out. I, I don't think I have an immediate sort of firsthand uh, experience with that. I have but, a feel um, of follow-up episodes coming soon where I'm going to get yeah. your, your information security officer on this podcast. So, well, yeah. uh, we'll save yeah. that one then for that podcast. And that's, and that's, <laughs> that's okay. I, I, I knew I was kind of going on the deep end of that one. I picked out the, the small text on the website and it was like a, a, a single page and just decided to ask a ton of questions about it. So uh, we'll come back to it. Um, Cause I think that's something that I think I'm honestly really fascinated by. So um, Brent, I'll let you kind of go, go from there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, speaking of staying up to date with the most current things, uh, and uh, perhaps getting a little credit for it. Now might be a good time to, to talk a little bit about the Event Leadership Institute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, at, when it comes to the Events Leadership Institute, it is the place to stay on top of things. Brant, you, you have been involved with the ELI for a long period of time. You know, what, what sort of things do people have to look forward to when it comes to uh, the, the courses and the content that they can get at ELI? Well, my course is, is a technical production, uh, technical meeting and event production course, but it's not designed for someone who wants to get into AV. It's, it's designed for someone who just wants to expand their knowledge, right? They want to learn about all these cool new display technologies. Um, you know, they want to learn about all of the, you know, just the basics. It's kind of a one-on-one course so that you're able to, when you do sit down and your AV company says, we want to put you in a giant wall with dolphins and things like that, <laughs> just to understand how the technology works a little bit without necessarily knowing all the model numbers and all the math that's behind it um and then you know that's the way a lot of the club courses are so my you know the one mine is like a five-week class but it's designed to be done in bits and chunks like a netflix style uh, where you can just kind of burn through it or you can do little chunks. it but they've got things on business and sales and creativity and design technical you know obviously technical production um you know career building uh planning and logistics strategy roi if you want to specialize in weddings they've got courses dedicated specific to that if you just want to learn how to build your business whether you're just getting started or if you want to you know uh you know just expand a business that you've been in for a while just expand your knowledge it's a great place to do that yep and if for most people who don't know it's not only just courses but also have uh, dedicated blog posts ebooks tons of stuff and not only do you have the option to sign up for single classes but also you can sign up for a monthly subscription if you really want to binge all the content uh, absolutely love to do yeah so, so brent where do people go to find out some more information about eli that is E-L-I, the number four dot me slash E-T-P as an event tech podcast. So E-L-I four dot me slash E-T-P. And if you go there, you're going to get a 20% discount on any individual course, or you can actually take 20% off your monthly membership. So we want to send everybody there. And of course, we thank the Event Leadership Institute for their support of the event tech podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's dive right back in with Anthony and Steven. Cause I know these guys got so much stuff to share. I literally was chatting with Brent and I said, you know, what time do we start recording this? I said, well, podcast editors and managers are going to have to forgive us. Cause we're going to take this one a little bit later than usual. Um, so um, kind of jumping from there. Um, tell me a little bit about what are the, the big trends that you guys are seeing when it comes to um, you know, marketing and how can you use technology to, I guess, amplify that and execute what those big trends are going on? 
Sure. I mean, I guess one of the things that we've always been involved in that, you know, personal interest area is, is projection mapping and content mapping and, you know, how, how we can use content to create, you know, to create spaces and, and, and drive, drive moods and, 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 and generate emotion. You know, I think there's a, there's a general trend or growth in real time. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in the, the content mapping world, how we create these more real time generated responsive spaces and, and what that means for attendees and the fact that they can interact, um, interact with large format content or their moods or their behaviors or their physical positions inform that. Um, and equally tying into other, other elements, like in the case of automotive, uh, how vehicles, you know, in, in, in the, in the, you know, confines of this, these sort of arenas, how they affect the content as well. So there's definitely something about, you know, the real time, real time render engines, both from a production point of view, but also from an experience point of view, these more real time responsive spaces is, is a very sort of interesting area. I think, I think for me, it's, there's a, there's actually a bunch of technologies that are sort of growing up. They're sort of coming up and out of the hype curve where, you know, um, individually they were seen as the next best thing. And, um, and, and they're now starting to work really well. And, and again, I think I mentioned before, I like to bring, like hack these things together so that we create these sort of brand new experiences. And, and, and often you'll see the evidence of that become a new product in itself, um, whether it be how, you know, originally when you had like Oculus and the people to leap on the front, they could, you know, there was like two products going together. We, we love those sorts of things and they become a, it's almost a standard way to interact now. But you know, as Anthony said, you know, real time is really important in terms of the way that we can render. Um, I come from a bit of a background in, um, I've worked in, in film and visual effects and um, uh, and it was always like, rendering engines always seen as like this poor game engine, you know, um, non-equivalent to, to the high end rendering and, and what what's we've seen over the last you know, few years is it's getting pretty darn you know, close to, in terms of you know um very very good execution of of real-time rendering is is almost up to the standard almost up to the standard of 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 what you can render in a, in a more traditional setting so the fact that you can have such high quality visceral images that, that can happen in real time is, is awesome real-time capture is another thing that we're really you know looking at there's like the three or four things that we're really looking at and i kind of like to kind of call it like this convergence of capability so the fact that you've got like merged realities, um, 5G, you know, AI voice, um, you know, real-time capture, real-time rendering. I think that we're going to see over the next you know, couple of years, these things starting to come together to create these sort of Uber experiences um, where, where these things become all, you know, the, the holy grail for me from a creative point of view, innovation point of view, is, the, is to make it feel ma magical, to make it feel almost like it's, uh, you don't really see the technology anymore and you, you can really allow that enjoyment of being transported into this other world. And so, you know, using all these technologies in different ways, combining is going to create some you know, amazing, amazing moments in sort of experiential and, um, and really immersive moments that, um, that people are going to want to do, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be like Disneyland. They're going to want to come and do these experiences. And that's, a, that's what we want to do. We want to, make, we want to create these experiences for brands where people seek them out, not just, pushed in front of them and hope that they do them. Um, that's, that's where the, that's where the goals are. 
It is like Disneyland, right? I mean, it's one of the things that I'm fascinated with Disney is that they're some of the best in the world at taking off the shelf technologies, mixing them together and doing exactly what you're talking about. You know, they were kind of first to projection mapping uh, to a certain extent with like grinning ghosts and, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And a lot of the, you know, the stagecraft technology that they use and then mix with, you know, laser technology and display technology. Um, you know, I've, I've gushed on, on this podcast before about taking the avatar ride uh at disney world and you know it was a two-hour wait for a five-minute ride and it was totally worth it you know yeah uh, and yeah. uh you know and i what marveled you know as a technology person you know i kind of snuck a peek out of the sides of my glasses to see how it was going and how it was working and i would have guessed there was maybe 60 people uh on that and it's well over that it's like a hundred and something people uh in in every time they run that ride and it feels so first person and so uh you know indiv like an individual experience mm -hmm. um, um so then you know doing the reverse of that is you know and making it a group experience as opposed to an individual experience but combining all those technologies is, is fascinating um yeah i think i, I think that the fact that you know with and now 5g has been this other tenant bringing into the, you know, the fact that we're going to be able to do these types of experiences connected. Um, you know, obviously things like Disney, they're, they're a prescribed experience and they're run every time. And that's, that's awesome. The fact that now we can do it in real time, it doesn't have to be rendered. It can be different. It can be connected. There's a whole bunch of experiences which are kind of going to be Disney-like, but just up that to that next level and, that's, and that's, like in the middle of nowhere too like or not yeah. necessarily in the middle of nowhere but like it doesn't have to be in a ballroom or in an office building or in this like place that has fiber connection like you could just do it in a literally in a square or a park absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely i mean the the disney and, and, and universal in that theme park world is 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 a big source of inspiration for us and this is again a bit of a de departure from you know the future of immersive but just the the way that um those organizations think about the user journey and, and, and the overall process. And it's to, to your point, Brand, it's not just about the, the five minutes that you're doing the ride is the, the two hours of waiting. So it's that sort of fully considered journey um, uh, that, that really kind of gets people in that mindset and starts to, you know, introduce the themes and starts to, to place them in that environment. I think that stuff is important as well as, as we, um, you know, try to take some of these more innovative, immersive moments to brands. It's also thinking about what happens either side of them and how do we, how do we kind of, you know, use technology to change people's mindsets and, and engage them for a longer amount of time. Yeah, it's the thresholds you move through. It's not just the five minute moment. Hmm. I like it. So is there, is there any technology that you guys are getting really excited about that you can't wait to somehow implement, but maybe you haven't, or haven't quite figured out how to implement it quite yet. I mean, it sounds like, I think it's one of these things where that that's probably never happened where you guys are like, Oh, there's a technology and we haven't had, we haven't talked about doing it, but like, is there something that you're like, Oh, maybe it's not quite ready. I, I mean, what's on, what are you guys yeah. excited for? So, so we, we have a, we have a, um, a department called Imagination Labs, and, and it's set up to make sure that the technologies we go to implement are kind of uh, understood. Um, we don't we, we don't want to put our clients at the at the risk of like not understanding how these things work, and so we have a separate team that are just dedicated to to prototyping and and um, and sort of bench testing these things. For me, you know, there are these, as I mentioned, these like 5G, these, these real-time technologies that, um, using different AI systems, voice. Um, individually, I'm really excited about how I'm going to combine them together. So, um, you know, 
where you know, you've, done, you've seen nice prototypes of where people we, we did a uh, a project where we we put a guy in a haptic suit and we had him you know sort of tackled um, remotely like we had this guy running at uh, at sort of like these sensors and then live on stage he felt that um, and it was you know obviously in a completely different location so that's that's a sort of a demonstration of of that technology almost in its isolation when you start to think about you know the real time nature and, the, and and how much data you can push then you if you capture something and then you reproduce it in real time in another place I'm, I'm interested in these kind of moments of how we combine the technology. So I don't think at the moment I'm, I'm looking at, um, I don't see like VR was when that first came out, I was like, this is going to change the world. It's going to, everyone's so excited to use it. I'm excited to use it in a, in a way that hasn't been used before, combining it with these other elements um, uh, to create these kind of completely out of body experiences. That's, they're the things of which I'm excited about. Um, there's there's variants on these things that that are kind of interesting and we're looking at and people who are who are reinventing the way that you know, like say VR works. We're talking to some some um, some developers in uh, in Australia, small small little studio who are developing cool technologies that are kind of alternatives to to VR, which are kind of is kind of interesting, which means that people can be more social. Um, but they're all kind of variants on a theme. I'm actually really interested in uh, in how we combine them. Uh, there was a few of us um, that went out to CES earlier this year from Imagination, and one of the ones that got got um, uh, everyone excited was the parallel realities display that uh, Delta had, and I know that's that's been talked about a bit. Um, but you know that that sort of concept, and it goes back to your point earlier, um, Brandt, about the you know the the, the challenge of group experiences, um, but also the hyper personalization. So having technologies that enable multiple people to look at something but get a different experience, a different piece of content that's relevant to them is is super interesting, particularly in the event space. And I know that's um, that's obviously in its infancy, but I think you know as as technologies evolve in that area, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I could just keep going on and on because every time you guys come up with something, I come up with another question, but we should probably <laughs> start to wrap things up. Uh, I am curious though, because uh, you know, a lot of times what we try to do on this show is bring, you know, bring things down to the practical, bring things down. You know, uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys are producing is amazing and cool. Might cost a couple bucks uh, here and there. So I'm curious to know what's your kind of favorite budget tech, um, you know, that you might be able to implement uh, for someone who doesn't have a big budget, but they want to try and add a little razzle dazzle with a, with intention, with effect, not just because it's cool um, uh, to to their events. Uh, do you guys have kind of a budget pick of what you're liking these days? Uh, look, I, I think that um, again, it's it's actually. Some of, some of the tech that we like to use if it's if we want to like get budget is the the most obvious lean for us is to is to move to like a, a the fact that people are carrying a, such a high power piece of computing in their pocket so um uh, and again it's combinations of things whether it's ar combined with um, beacon technology to create localization personalized um experience uh whether it's just you know creating experience which then we support with um you know, cardboard hololenses and things like that. Again, when talking about budget, you want to. The fact is that you know, computing and visual display is such a big part of the things that we do. And if we're not going to put in a huge projection or um, really expensive goggles or or, or, or massive LED, um, and you know, the computing that's required to drive those things, when we have to go to budget, we lean back into the technology that people carry in their pockets. And how do we hack this? 
the function of that object so that this is no longer just a, a mobile phone. It becomes a mini projector that they can then hold in their hand uh, or it becomes something that they can then put on their heads. Is it something that, that, that responds as they walk past a certain object? Um, or, and, and how do we can make unique connections between, between people? Um, it, it, there's, you know, I think still the mobile, the mobile phone, the fact that it's getting, the mobile device is getting so powerful, we can do a heck of a lot with those sorts of things. Um, and, and it's always great to rely upon uh, uh, the user's own device to be able to do that when you're trying to save some budget. Well, it seems like you mentioned real-time processing earlier, you know, that as that technology continues to evolve, they're already doing, you know, pretty cool stuff with, you know, just using an ordinary camera and a lot of back-end processing to be able to adjust screens to, you know, remap projection mapping, you know, in a moment's notice because something moved or something along those lines. So when you started talking about the phones and using those as a display, what immediately popped into my mind is an entire audience of putting up their phones, get something gets sent out through the app that you can instantly map each one of those as a picture. Synchronize them together. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And be able to display across those that with, with the real-time processing that's being done right now, that actually seems like, well, not that it wouldn't be hard, but you know what I mean? Like it's within the capabilities of it uh, to be able to then immediately within a second or so map across that entire spectrum of phones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that'd be very, and, that'd be and, very and, cool. And, and yeah, and, and I think that that, that is the, the great equalizer. If everyone is connected by 5G, then we do the processing on our side and, and just send it pretty lightly to, to, to people's devices. And, and then we're not worried about, you know, incompatibility of like speed and, and clock time of, of individual um, devices. Yeah, absolutely. Super Bowl, if you're listening, that would be way cooler than the LED bands that you guys used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, or, or should I say, the, didn't really use. They're 100% recyclable, Brand. <laughs> Stop hating on them, man. That was, it was cool how it was sustainable. It was a big sustainable movement. Okay. And 100% and recyclable not thing just that, wasn't that, I, that was barely I, used. I, okay. Right. <laughs> man. Go back and listen to our review of the Super Bowl to find out what the heck Will and Brandt are talking about. All right, gentlemen, you know that Will and I could geek out about this stuff all day, but uh, then our editors would get grumpy at us because they got to edit an hour-long podcast. Um, so it's probably time that we start wrapping up. Maybe we can have you guys on. Maybe we can have your uh, your CISO on so that we can uh, dig a little bit deep. Will, if you really want to get geeky, click on their, uh, their cookies uh, warning notification because if you actually click on it, it explains each one of the cookies in detail what it does and how long it stays on your machine and all this kind of stuff so you can really geek out if you want to so gentlemen thank you so much for for, for joining us really appreciate it thank you for having, having us, us on. thank yes. you guys so if folks want to find out more about imagination uh where where should they do that they should go to imagination.com fantastic you on any of the socials uh, if so do you know what those handles are we are on Twitter. Uh, you're testing my memory, though. Yeah. Imagination GLBL. There you go. There you go. If you could probably shout them out, I got you in front of them. But yeah, it seems like most of the stuff is Imagination GLBL for you guys. Uh, and they're, they're, your guys' Instagram account actually is pretty solid, too. I'll give a shout out to, if you, uh, for example, I was looking around, poking around, looking for the Saudi Arabia photos um, in Instagram. You guys seem to keep pretty regularly updated on stuff. So um, definitely go check it out on Insta. 
Yep. Awesome. We've got 13 offices around the world. So we're, we've got a location near you. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, I think that is important to emphasize that these guys are a global or a company. They've been around for a while. They're not just bringing a bunch of shiny, shiny to the table, uh, but actually backing it up with uh, backing it up with some experience and some analytics behind it. So be sure if that's something that you're interested in, you want to learn how to tell stories better through technology and other means, please do give them a look. Will, thanks so much for joining me as always. Thank you for having me, Brand, uh, and thank you for uh, the awesome conversation as always. Fantastic. And if you want to uh, join us, you can do so each and every week. You can find out more at eventtechpodcast.com. There you're going to see the show notes, the links to all the resources that are shared, the transcripts. You're going to find the links so that you can subscribe in all of your favorite podcast apps. We love it when you join us there on the website, but we also love it when you subscribe because then you get it automatically every week. Uh, you can do that, of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, all the casts and all the pockets and all of the apples and the pods. Um, please join us. If there's a platform that you would like us on and we are not there, please do let us know. We, all, of course, want to know what you think. Tell us what you think are the, uh, the latest in greatest in using technology to tell stories. What do you think uh, kind of metrics can be gained from these things? And what do you think brands can actually learn uh, uh, when it comes to using technology to enhance their experiences? Let us know. Contact us. Hashtag Event Tech Podcast. You can also use the old email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. Don't be sure. Don't be shy. Reach out. You know, we like, we're friendly. We're not going to bite. So let us know what kind of shows you want to talk about, what kind of topics you want to talk about. And always, we want to thank you all for listening so much. That'll do it for this episode of the Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.